Friends, this month we begin a new uh, sermon series on the wisdom of generosity, uh, looking at some verses from the book of Proverbs, uh, beginning with today's scripture lesson, which is simply two verses long from Proverbs chapter three. Uh, you can look it up in your pew Bible or follow along here on the screen, where, where Solomon simply says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Uh, God's word uh, for us today. Our new memory verse also comes from Solomon from the book of Proverbs, uh, from Proverbs chapter 11. And so I would invite you to stand and to uh, uh, say this with me and begin to commit it to memory. uh, And then we'll pray our church prayer. Let's say this together. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 11, 25. Now let's pray our church prayer. Father, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit to bring spiritual breakthrough in my life, in our church family, and in our community. Fill us with humility, unity, and passion. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. May the name of Jesus be held in high honor in all that we say and do. Amen. And Father, remember this morning we were in the prayer room and we were asking that you would answer this prayer, particularly that we would be a church that lives in unity. And we know that comes from your Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, would you be poured out upon the people here at First United Methodist Church so that we might live in humility, unity, and passion. Father, we ask that you would open up our eyes to the truth of your word as we uh, look at the word today. God, let there be that peculiar and powerful anointing upon the word so that you would speak to every one of us. And we just ask it in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Or you may be seated. Friends, can you imagine if you received a blank check from God? If God said, literally, I'll do any one thing you ask me, what would you ask for? You know, would you ask to be richer than Bill Gates? Maybe, maybe to uh, uh, play basketball better than LeBron? The possibilities are limitless. What do you ask for if God gives you a blank check? You know, God did that one time uh, to a man named Solomon. He came to Solomon and said, ask for whatever you wish. And Solomon responded by saying, give me wisdom. And God was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom rather than riches or other things. And it says Solomon became the wisest man on earth. Now, if he was the wisest man on earth, I suspect that you and I could learn something from him. And so I've been reading his writings the last couple of months uh, in the book of Proverbs. 
like many of you have done, every morning as part of my morning devotions, I'll read one chapter of the book of Proverbs. And this last month, uh, as I read each chapter in Proverbs, I made notes of every time that Solomon talked about generosity and riches and and wealth that, uh, that we have. And I discovered that Solomon teaches that there is wisdom in generosity. Now, at first, that seems like an oxymoron. How could it be wise to give things away? But as we look at the words of Solomon, I hope that you will discover in these messages not just an appeal to give money to the church, but that you will see an invitation to be generous in every area of your life. Because as Solomon teaches us, there is wisdom and generosity first and foremost because our generosity honors God. Notice today's text begins. Uh, Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And he gives us two reasons in, in Proverbs why we should honor the Lord with our wealth. And the first one is simply because he's our maker. You know, you go to Proverbs chapter 22, the wisdom is rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. God is our maker. We were created in God's image. And so when we are generous, we are simply reflecting the image of the one that in whom we were created. God is a generous God. I mean, God gives generously. God is extravagant in his generosity. You can see signs of it uh, in the life of Jesus. Remember when he turned water into wine? He didn't just turn a few bottles of water into wine. If you look it up, it was about 150 gallons of wine. Much more than was needed for the party. And it says, and it was good wine, uh, better than they had. Why? Because God is extravagant in his generosity. Or remember when he broke the bread and fish. Everyone ate, it says, all that they wanted. And there was still some leftover basketfuls, in fact. Why? Because he's an extravagant God who gives more than is needed. You know, I I read this week that there are 270,000 different uh, species of flowers on the earth. In fact, I read there are uh, about 25,000 varieties of orchids alone. Why would God make so many? Because he's extravagant. God doesn't do anything halfway. That's why you look up into the sky and there are hundreds and billions of stars. Because God is extravagant in what he does. And he's extravagant in his generosity. When he gives, he gives the best that he has. He gives his own son so that we might know how extravagantly he loves us. That's why when we are generous, 
It simply reflects the image of God. And it honors God when we're generous. Because when we're generous, it shows that we are acknowledging that God is the creator. In fact, Solomon gives this other wisdom. He says, he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. In other words, if we don't show affection and care for the poor, we disregard the one who made them. But, he says, whoever is kind to the needy honors Every time that you give and you're generous uh, to the needy, you give to the Hope Center, you give to the Salvation Army, you give to the missions of the church, every time you do that, you honor the Lord with your wealth and God is pleased. You know, when God made us, uh, God made us unique. Each one of us, God made with individual gifts and talents and abilities. And and isn't it true that it's those abilities that allow us to produce wealth? You know, for most of us, our wealth comes from using the abilities that God gives us. And Moses uh, cautioned the people uh, centuries ago. He said, be careful that you don't think that's of your own. In fact, here's what Moses said to the people. He said, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I'm the one who put in 40 and 50 and 60 hours a week. I'm the one who worked so hard to make this business prosperous. I'm the one who's done all the work. But Moses says, oh, oh, but stand back a minute. And he says, but remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirm his covenant. Friends, who is it that gave you that ability to teach? Who is it that gave you that engineering mind that allows you to be a good engineer? Who is it that gave you that artistic ability that allows you to to produce wealth with your art? Friends, it comes from God. He is our maker. So it only makes sense that we honor him with the fruit of that which comes from the abilities that he's given us. And so Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth because he made you. And as it alludes to here, he provides for you. You know, Solomon says in Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Friends, we're a wealthy people, aren't we? I mean, we are. All of us in this room, we are wealthy people. Would any of us want to say, I've done it on my own? Wouldn't we all agree that the Lord has blessed us? The Lord has blessed us both as a nation and as individuals. The Lord has blessed us. Wealth comes from him. You know, God gave Solomon this incredible wisdom. But Solomon also learned 
wisdom by listening to and watching his father. In fact, I read this morning in Proverbs chapter 4 that one of the reasons Solomon asked for wisdom was because David had instilled in Solomon how precious wisdom is. And Solomon watched his dad. In fact, right before David died, he wanted to put together uh, the building of the temple. And so he decided that most of his estate, all of his riches, would go to building this temple. And then he invited the people uh, to come and to give generously, to honor God with their wealth by giving generously so that this temple could be built. And the people gave, and there was such an, a massive amount of riches that it was just overwhelming. And when David looked at it, he prayed to God this prayer. You can read it in, in, in First Chronicles. He said, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Oh, Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. You know, David... And the people of Israel could give generously. They could honor God with their wealth because they understand who provided it. As David says there in his prayer, everything, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Wealth and honor come from you. Everything comes from you. We've given only what comes from your hand. All the abundance that we have, it comes from your hand. All of it belongs to you. And because they understood where it came from, they honored the Lord with their wealth. This morning we have a stewardship testimony by the Scots who are going to come and share how they strive to honor God, honor the Lord uh, with their wealth. Uh, Thank you, friends, for being willing to share with us this morning. Morning. Sorry. We're a little shy of the wealth of David. We haven't dug around the couch yet, so... 
My name is Joe Scott, and this is my wife, Sarah. Sarah. Uh, we've been uh, coming to this church for about 11 years now. Has it been? About 11 years. Um, so we wanted to share today kind of our testimony of our giving. Um, when I was growing up, uh, my family, uh, we were very involved in the church, um, but we didn't have a lot of money. So there was a lot of time spent at church helping out with uh, meals and with other activities. Um, but because of how close we were to our church family, we've, when we fell on hard times, um, because my dad was the only breadwinner, uh, the church was always there for us. You know, if it came in the form of meals coming to us, if it came into assistance with bills, uh, they were always there for us. Um, so now with that blessing that I got back then, I hope that, you know, the blessings that we give today are uh, helping other families in the same way my family was helped many years ago. And I don't really know if my family tithed growing up, uh, but we gave of our time and our gifts. My mom was a church organist. Uh, and we were involved in our little church on the corner. Uh, so when Joe and I were married and had kids, we attended and became involved with our church. Uh, we struggled with money a lot at the beginning. You know, you should, right? Um, but we always said that as long as our family was healthy, we were going to be okay. God provides. But then in 2005, Joe and I actually fell on hard times because our family wasn't healthy. Joe's kidneys shut down. He was in and out of the hospital for five weeks. At the time, I found out I was pregnant with our third child, Nathan. I was at the hospital often and taking care of my two other kids. Joe, of course, wasn't able to work. Uh, and the job he had at the time, there wasn't compensation uh, while we were, you know, struggling. And I had to take quite a bit of time off of school. So during this time, our church family provided meals. And I remember coming back from the hospital, picking up Rachel and Jacob from my mom's house and praying outside their room just that God is going to get us through and we're going to come out the, the other side of this okay. So two days before I got out of the hospital uh, for the final time, um, Sarah started having issues with her the pregnancy. The doctor actually arranged for us to share a room uh, for a couple days so that we could hear each other's updates and prognosis. Uh, the doctor told us that there was uh, very little amniotic fluid around um, the baby and that things didn't look good. Um, there was a real, real possibility that the baby would be born but would not be able to draw breath. Uh, so we both came home, but Sarah wasn't able to work for the rest of the school year because she had to be on bed rest because of the condition. But again, more meals came from the church, more assistance came, and even outside of our church, you know, others came and stocked our refrigerator um, and freezers, and people at my wife's school were very generous, and they helped us whenever we needed, so we always had enough, uh, despite all those things. Okay. Um, I don't know how we had enough, um, but we did enough food, enough to keep our home, enough to care for our kids. We just had enough, and that felt like a huge, huge blessing uh, God certainly provided. He provided through so many people, and that's why we give. We may be scraping by at times, um, but we give because we know God will provide for us. Just as David and the people of his kingdom understood, we know where what we have comes from. We have nothing that God hasn't provided and because giving has just become a part of our life, you know, we've set it up, you know, so that it's automatic. It comes right out of my bank account. It gets sent to the church. It's just there. It's just a natural part of our life. Um, there have been times, however, that, you know, during this that 
we'll hear about somebody that is uh, going through a rough time, um, that maybe is outside of our church. Uh, you know, maybe they've had a lost loved one, or they've had a house fire, or the family is struggling, maybe a bad illness like we experience. It makes things very difficult. And when we hear about these things, uh, we feel the tug uh, at our heart to be God's hands and uh, provide for them. So from time to time, we may give less to the church, but then we're also finding that we need to do more for others that are outside of our church. Okay. Uh, we learned early on that giving needs to be a part of our lives as followers of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-five thirty-five through 36, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Well, we were hungry, and people fed us. Uh, People cared for us and visited when we were sick. Jesus' response to that righteous man who asked, well, when did we do any of those things for you? And that was in verse 40, and he said, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So that's a gift that we have. We have the opportunity to give back to Christ, who gave us everything. So we encourage all of you to take that opportunity in whatever way that you can. Be the means that God uses to provide for someone else, and he's going to bless you in return. Thank you. You know, the Israelites honored God with the first fruits of all of their crops. Uh, Just like Solomon said there in in Proverbs chapter 3. And the reason they did that is because they had learned from the very beginning that the very land that that produced their crops was simply a gift that came from God. They literally were living in a promised land. And so Moses told them how to bring their first fruits to God. And when they came, they were to say, He brought us to this place and gave us this land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. And then Moses said, Place the basket before the Lord, your God, and bow down before Him. And then you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things that the Lord your God has given to you and your house. Friends, did you hear that? God wants you to rejoice in the good things he's given you. Because wealth comes from him, he wants you to enjoy it. He says, you and your household, I want you to rejoice in the good things that you have. He only asks that you acknowledge where they came from by your first fruits. And that the first fruits be given with generous hearts. 
Just like the Israelites did a while later when Hezekiah was king and the nation had begun to wander away from God and Hezekiah called the nation back and part of that call was let's not forget to bring God the first fruit. And so it says when the, as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil and honey and all that the field produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. They brought a tithe of everything because, again, God had said from the very beginning that a tithe, which means a tenth of all that the land produces, belongs to God. It's an acknowledgement that all that I have comes from Him. And Jesus then affirmed that practice in the New Testament when he said to the Pharisees, how you give a God a tenth of your mint and rue and all the other garden herbs, but you neglect the mercy or the justice and love of God. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And he was simply saying, you're right in giving a tenth of all that you have. That's what God asks. The first fruits was just that. It was the first product of the ground. You wouldn't come and give God the leftovers. You wouldn't come and just give God that which was left after all of the bills were paid. The first fruits was the best. And friends, I don't want to give God my leftovers. That's what I hear from Joe and Sarah. They don't want to honor God with their leftovers. God deserves the first fruits. Friends, he brought the pie. Again, all that we have comes from him. And so Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all that your fields produce. You know, Linda and I uh, learned to tithe as children, and I can say that from the time we've been married, tithing has never been a question. We have always tithed and then given beyond that, and we have never regretted it. In fact, I don't know of anyone who has tithed and has honored the Lord with their wealth that has come to regret it. And, And again, please understand, I'm not trying to keep guilt and condemnation on you and and tell you what you ought to do. I'm simply inviting you into the extravagance of God's generosity. That, That God's the one who calls us and says that when we honor Him with our wealth, that He in turn will bless us. And so I simply say, ask God what he's calling you to do, how to honor him with your wealth. You know, one of the uh, greatest quotes I've ever read on giving comes from C.S. Lewis in his classic book on mere Christianity. And he says, I do not believe one can settle how much one ought to give or we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. 
In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Man, what great wisdom that Lewis gives us. But here's the wisdom of generosity. Solomon goes on and he says, when you are generous, when you honor God with your wealth, then it says God will see that your barns are filled to overflowing and that your vats will brim over with new wine. God says there's wisdom in generosity because when you're generous, I'm generous. Back when I hear Solomon talk about barns that are filled to overflowing, I can't help but think of Jesus' words in in, uh, Luke 6 when he says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is simply saying what Solomon said. When you give, God will bless and God will, you will experience his extravagant generosity. And again, Linda and I have found that to be true. We have been blessed far beyond what we ever thought or deserved. Because it's the only thing that God says you can test him in. I don't know of any other place in the Bible where God says to test him other than the first fruits. You know, there in Malachi, when he says, bring the whole tithe or the first fruits uh, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough Know that your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. If we simply choose to honor the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of all that we have. Before we come to the Lord's table, one more bit of wisdom from Solomon. Right before our memory verse, Solomon says this. He says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's God's promise. So friends, there is wisdom in generosity. And now let's come to the Lord's table and allow him to refresh us with this sign of his own generosity that when God wanted to demonstrate his love to us, he gave his own body and blood. Will you pray with me? Father, we can't even imagine how extravagant your generosity is. I can't imagine 
your love being so great that you would give your very own blood. So Lord, as I uh, take this bread and reminded, Lord, that you took the bread and you broke it, you said, this is my body broken for you. What a great gift. What a beautiful testimony of generosity. You didn't ask anything in return, just that you would give so that we might have life. That you would take the cup and, and hold it up and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. God, that you in all of your extravagance would look upon me and the way that I've rebelled against you, the way I've sinned against you, and yet you would hold up the cup and said, take and drink from this and you shall be made as white as snow. God, how extravagant. Lord, we thank you for this extravagant gift. We pray that your blessing would be on this bread and these, and these cups. Lord, these bread and cups that will be going to our shut-ins. And Father, we simply ask that you would bless uh, this bread and, and juice. We ask that in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Friends, I'd invite those who are helping to serve communion, if you would come and, and make those preparations. And while they're doing that, uh, just to remind all of you uh, that communion is open here. That means you don't need to be a Methodist. You don't need to be a member of this church. But if you simply want to come and taste of God's extravagant generosity, then he invites you to come. I'd remind you that if you have a, a special joy this month or uh, an answered prayer, uh, we'd love to have you share that with us, and you can uh, bring that up on your post-it note and, and put it on our board. Uh, you're welcome to come here to the front row or to the uh, altar, but the Lord now invites you to taste His extravagance.